How do real estate professionals like you, who have dozens of different responsibilities and competing priorities, win at the game of real estate? And how do we build a business while selling our services and finding a group of people that will allow us to change and grow intentionally and relevantly so we keep up with the rapidly evolving real estate market? And how do we do this in a way that's authentic to the life we each want to live, where we want to live it, and in a way that honors our true gifts and core values? We are all at different stages in our journey, but we all have many things to learn from each other. And that is why we started this podcast. My name is Megan Marsh. And I am Andre Munar. And this is the Collab Podcast, where we will be speaking with different real estate industry business leaders and how they're staying relevant, shifting, and pivoting their business so that you can learn new ways to adapt to your business and how you can stay relevant. We are two business partners of a mortgage brokers that seven years ago decided we needed and wanted to change the way we did business, change what our business looked like and who we served. We realized if we were ever gonna get out of the grind and have a bigger impact in our industry, in our communities, and with our employees and for our clients and business relationships that we served, we needed to begin evolving and changing and we believe so do you. We teach people how much stronger we all can be if we work together, not against one another. We want to encourage all of you to learn from one another in a way that ensures financial growth and security for more of us out there. Real estate industry leaders are those of you that make the dream of home ownership a reality to so many Americans, no matter which role you play. You could be a real estate agent, a team leader, a broker, a mortgage loan officer, a mortgage broker, an appraiser, a title agent, an insurance agent, how do you build a solid business with predictable income? A business that also allows you to travel and be there for your family and leave a legacy. How do you continuously change and evolve in this game of real estate? Becoming relevant is the name of the game. It's also the question, and this podcast is gonna give you the answers. Hey collaborators, welcome back to our series where we're interviewing business owners. And as we mentioned, it's specifically mortgage in the mortgage industry, all of which are setting up their own businesses and they're setting up their businesses completely different. So we really want to show you that you can open up a business and you don't have to follow a strategic plan. You can do it the way that you want to build your business. Um, we really want to focus on how do you know if going off on your own is the right decision, right? We've talked to some business owners who are doing it by themselves, some who are building completely different businesses um, and really how can you make sure that your business is going to thrive like how are you going to get customers and uh, in today's episode we're bringing on another business owner and we're going to be asking him some questions you know just the usual what were some red flags that made them start considering opening up their own shop uh, where they started where they are at now how long it took them to get to where they are today and really one of the most important things that we want to just reiterate is that there is no right, wrong way to build a business. There's a million ways to skin a cat. The most important thing is really that you have goals, you have a vision, you have a plan in place, and then you execute on that, right? What is it that you want out of this? How is it going to impact your life, your business, your community? And then execute on that. Execution is key. Uh, some people will work, want to work out of their home. Some people will want to work out of their office. Um, some people will want their kids right by their side. So there's a million ways to, to start a business. And uh, we've interviewed some 
some people who are just completely happy being solopreneurs. Um, that was one of our podcasts. Uh, the other one was somebody who's building, you know, two people who are just building businesses, literally, you know, they've got 30 to 50 employees and then really excited for today. Uh, cause it's really kind of where Megan and I started and, and I've definitely seen the progression from this gentleman, but, um, it's, you know, starting with team members, right? So you start by yourself and then it's like, do you want somebody? Do you not want somebody? And so our guest today is focusing on exactly that. I'm super excited, Dre, because you're right. We met when we were building our teams and we have some, you know, I'm sure the three of us will have some great stories to share with people listening. Um, I just want to, you know, remind everyone for any of you listening who are in the mortgage industry that listen to our podcast, if you are still an employee and you are eager to understand and know if becoming a business owner is the right next step for you. Andre and I have been working together and have created a course called My Broker Fast Track for any loan officers who have that entrepreneurial itch or simply want to know if opening your own business is a viable option for you in the future. So at the end of the episode, we'll be giving you a great PDF to download and telling you how you can join Broker Fast Track or join a webinar that will show you the behind the scenes of Broker Fast Track if you're on the fence with such a big decision. So Without any waiting any further, I would like to welcome to the show uh, a mortgage broker owner who is um, an owner of Sol Costa Home Loans. Uh, he started his business in 2018. He was named, I believe this year, one of the 40 under 40 in the mortgage industry without waiting any longer. Uh, Dan Patty, are you there and are you uh, here on the collab with us? Hey guys, yeah, I am here. Super excited to be here with both you, Dre and Megan, and I'm uh, looking forward to our chat today and uh, definitely looking forward to helping out however I can and sharing a little bit of my story. Yeah, so where we always like to start, Dan, because I think it's where a lot of people when they are like, oh, gosh, should I, why, should, why would I even think about this? When did you get into this industry and kind of lead us to with, until that 2008 point when you made that decision to open up, you know, your own company, like the story behind that. Sure. Yeah. So kind of like most other people, I never had, uh, you know, a dream of going into mortgage when I was younger. Right. <laughs> I, I, I graduated college back in uh, 2011 and right out of college, I was a, a manager for Target. So I was a logistics manager and then an HR manager for um, about three years you know, I learned a ton about team development, hiring, training, you know, how to mm. develop people, holding accountable, things like that. Um, but it just honestly kind of got to a point where I was burnt out on retail. It, it's not what I saw myself doing for the next, you know, 10, 20 years. So uh, I was looking to make a change. And at that same time, I was actually going through the process of buying my first house. I closed on the home. Um, and, you know, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she had uh, she had done mortgage, real estate, you know, notary. She had kind of done a little bit of everything, um, you know, pre-crash or right around that time. And she said, you know, she she knows me. She's like, hey, you like numbers, you like people. Have you ever thought about going into mortgage? And I'm like, well, no, I've never. I, I have a business degree, but like, I know nothing about mortgage. I went through the process. I don't even remember ninety percent of what I just did. So she's yeah. like, you know, she said, I really think you should give it a shot. Why don't you call up your loan officer who who did the loan for you? So I just called him up and said, hey, I'm looking to get out of retail. Do you have anything that you think I'd be a good fit in? 
he said, well, are you more interested in like sales or operations? And I said, honestly, I don't, I don't have any idea what that even means. I don't know what the difference is, but if you just give me a shot on something, I think I can figure it out and uh, make it happen. So he said, you know, I think I could see you in like a sales type position. Why don't you go get your, your license, pass the NMLS test. So literally I put in my two weeks at Target right away. I was done. I spent the next uh, several weeks studying, going through the, uh, the training courses and all that. Got my NMLS license uh, early 2015 and went to work for him. Uh, great mentor. I mean, I started day one as a loan officer. I didn't have any, you know, assistant or processing background. So I was an LO from day one. Um, and oh man, I just remember it, it was so hard in the beginning. <laughs> I, I literally got my first loan ever, my first refi. I went door to door, actually door knocking. I got one of those lists from the title company. I spent the weekend knocking on doors, getting doors slammed in my face. I got one refi out of it, but that's how kind of everything started. It took me three months before I even closed a loan. I'm calling friends, family, doing as much social media, just trying to do everything, right? Mm -hmm. um, I remember my first year in 2015, I closed 11 loans for the whole year. So that's kind of where things got started. Um, I, I stayed with my, my branch manager. Our branch switched companies twice. So we were the still yeah. still the same team, but under three different companies mm -hmm. um, up so until 20. It's just so people listening. So we talked to people who like I joined a brokerage as my mm -hmm. first place. You worked on a team that was under a big, let's say, retail models, correct? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yep. Under retail model. So I was there from 2015 through 2018, like you mentioned. And uh, honestly, it just kind of got to a point like you were mentioning earlier. I like that term entrepreneurial itch. I kind of started to feel that, um, you know, there's a lot of hoops you have to go through and, and things you have to do when you're on the retail side and ask for permission to do certain things and, you know, change the way you want to do your process. And um, I always kind of had that drive to really do things my way. And, and I had so many ideas and strategies that I wasn't able to implement right away. That combined with the fact that I saw remember in 2018 was that that margin compression was really mm -hmm. in full effect. Our rates started to go up. I remember the last loan I did in retail, I think was at six and a quarter. They, they, obviously, oh they obviously got they got a lender credit. So but I remember specifically it was six and a quarter. And wow. I was like, this is crazy. I started to get crushed by competitors as far as rate. And there's only so much value I can offer when we're, you know, a full sure. one to two percent out of the market versus what other people are doing. So I saw the brawl movement online. I kind of got interested in that. And, um, you know, talk to Anthony Casa. He connected me with a couple of people and um, just kind of took the leap. And I didn't work for a brokerage and I went straight into opening Sol Costa Home Loans. That was at the end of 2018. And we've been up and running ever since early 2019. On my four year anniversary of being a loan officer was the first day that our brokerage was operational. Oh, my. Wow. wow. I was going to say, too, and one of the questions that I've asked the other uh, people that we've interviewed and who have opened businesses and, and you brought this up. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that so many loan originators in this industry and maybe it's true of under other industries, real estate, insurance? Why do you think that they switch companies over and over again? Right. I think the I think they say every two to three years is the average instead of looking into becoming their own owner? Why, why do you think they do that instead of looking at what you did? I think number one, it's it's scary. It's hard. Um, you know, you're basically placing the full financial 
responsibility of yourself and your family on your own back. When you work for a company, you know, and and you think things aren't working out, you change other companies, you still get to focus on just the sales portion or just doing your job. Opening your brokerage, I mean, I'm sure you guys understand, but 30% of your job or more is non-sales <laughs> activities. I'm sure for you yeah. guys, it's even more than that, right? So I think it's the the fear of, hey, how do I set up a company retirement plan? How do I set up benefits for my team? How do I set up benefits for myself? How do I get started? Like, I remember I met with uh, Glenn Groves and I just had like this laundry list of questions to ask him about like some of the silliest small details about like how do how do you get signed up with a credit provider and like all these things you just there's no roadmap which it sounds like this is something that you guys are creating which is super cool but there's just you gotta talk to people and kind of figure it out and i think it's just really scary and i think sometimes people are looking for the answer to come with a different company but it's, I mean, it's just not realistic. It's it's either got to come from inside. And if you want to start something great, the brokerage model is obviously a great way to go. But I think people just think if they switch companies, something's magically going to change and they're going to become happy and more successful than they were wherever they're at, you know? And it's not going to happen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, it rarely happens. Um, Dan, I, I really liked a few things that you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing was, you know, you closed 11 loans in your first year. I just want to continuously reiterate, like people think that a lot of people see us where we are now, right? Like they, they don't see that, Hey, I've had to put in some grind time and I've had to take a cut in pay. Um, yeah, it's a phenomenal industry. Do not get me wrong. Right. And you can make a ton of money and you, you can have a ton of passion. Um, but a lot of people I think are looking for that magic blue pill or that overnight success. And it, it's very rare that you find a loan officer that does it, you know, they may do it in the second year, but um, at first it, it's a grind. And so, you know, for anybody out there who's listening, regardless of what business you go into or what, you know, whether it's a sales or whether you open up your own business or whether it's like direct marketing, you're going to have to put in the grind first. Like it, it doesn't just come like, Oh, I, I got a job and the next month I'm making, you know, 20 grand. So I really like the fact that, um, that we were talking about that. One of my favorite questions to ask is what is your favorite part about being your own boss? What is it that you like about owning your own brokerage versus potentially like you were starting, like you were starting to say, you can't control the process if you work somewhere else. Right. So everyone yeah. says, right. Everyone says, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is brokers can't control the process. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think to answer your question, Dre, the biggest thing that really fires me up about, you know, being my own boss is the ability to create jobs for people. You know, yeah. we're literally creating jobs out of thin air that wouldn't have existed if if we weren't doing what we're doing. So being able to like develop people and, and provide there's just such a a sense of pride in being able to do something like that. It's kind of hard to explain unless you've done it. So I'd say that's that's one portion of it. Obviously, a big part of it for me, um, I'm a tinkerer. I'm like always, always, always messing with my process, trying to improve it. I'm extremely passionate about the consumer experience. I think we have in our industry so many antiquated models and so many just people who do things in a way that's not best for the consumer because it's what they have done for 5, 10, 20 years, whatever. So for me, I'm always looking for ways to deliver a better experience to my clients 
So being able to make changes on the fly, not having to ask for permissions to implement new processes, new strategies, new ideas is something that's, you know, really fulfilling for me. And I think also being able to just have that team and put people in positions where they're able to be most successful and most fulfilled, including myself. Like for me, for example, I can process the heck out of a file. I don't really like to do it. It kind of, it kind of wears me out. You know, what really fires me up is building relationships, developing my team, improving processes and being able to be my own boss and build the team that's best for, for me, my, my business and my clients is something that's just unbelievable and that I absolutely love. Megan and I, I think are both like, yes, yes, we love that answer because that's, and like I said a little bit earlier, Dan, I've really started to watch your progression and, you know, in, in the Facebook group that we're in and you're asking questions, okay, how do I hire one person? Okay, now I've hired one person. Now my phone's going off the hook. How do I stop people from calling my cell phone? Um, and really for, for the point that Megan and I are at is kind of where you're at. Like, I love love, love watching the success of other people. And I love building people up um, and giving people opportunity who, you know, none of us asked to be in this more in a mortgage industry, we somehow fell into it, or somebody just said, Do you want to come try it out? Or, you know, we had family or friends or a relationship that got us into it. I think that's one of our favorite parts too, is is being able to just show other people these opportunities that are, that are out there. Um, but speaking of a team, because Megan and I know all about teams, and we've talked to the other people we interviewed were you know completely different. One's a solopreneur completely by themselves, does everything. The other two you know, are building massive companies, and now you're building a team. So, And people are probably sick of Megan and I hearing talking about teams. So I'm sure our listeners would like to hear from you. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of having a team? Well, and can, do you mind, Dre? Sorry, but could you yeah. explain to everyone listening? I'd like to know too. When did you start having a team? Once you opened, right? When did you say I need to I need to hire someone? And to the point of what your team looks like now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because when I was in retail, um, we had like a you know a quote unquote processor, but to be honest, it was it was more of just like a person who submitted to underwriting, took the conditions, and kind of handed it to us type of thing. So I was always doing the majority of the processing, you know, chasing conditions, doing kind of all of the the legwork right throughout my whole career. And even when I became a broker, I had, I had, you know, no team, it was just me as a solopreneur. And I even remember, um, you know, I was on the one of the broker to broker podcasts with JP Hussey, uh, kind of earlier on in my broker career. And I was beating the drum for, hey, I just want to be a one man shop. I'm not looking to hire. I just kind of want to do this and maybe I'll hire down the road if the right person comes along. And I was really kind of like opposed to it or not, you know, super juiced about the idea of of hiring. Um, but to be honest, it got to a point in 2019 where I felt like I was doing a disservice to my clients by not being able to serve them based on my overall bandwidth and capacity. I kind of started kicking around the idea about halfway through, um, you know, 2019, early 2020 is when I really got serious about it. And then obviously with the rate dip that we saw in 2020, business just exploded. So I was like, okay, I absolutely have to bring somebody on. And I actually didn't pull the trigger and go through with it until November of 2020. The fear of hiring. So, yeah. So I actually didn't even hire anybody till about eight months ago. So I closed out 2020 about 70 million in volume doing everything by myself. 
And yeah, I just got to a point where I was like, okay, I have to hire for my own sanity and also for my client's sake. My wife and I, we had our son in March of 2019 too. So I just noticed, you know, I was waking up at 3.30 in the morning, work until, you know, night. And and it just, I was, I was killing myself. I wasn't providing the best to my clients. Um, So I hired in 2019 in November. That was my first hire. Um, Right now we have two people. It plus myself, plus my wife has really started to help full time. So there's four of us right now and we're actively looking to hire one or two more. My oldest hire or my original hire, he's doing more of the processing back end type stuff. And then um, a new hire we just brought on, super sharp young guy. He's going to be more of like the front end LOA, helping with leads, database management, um, you know, working towards pre-approvals. And something I've always told my team is, we have very specific processes and procedures for everything that we do. However, they're subject to change at any minute. So we may be doing things one way today, but we may change our roles and and try something out different tomorrow. So as of right now, it's the four of us. We're looking to just kind of hire one step ahead going forward because I feel like we've been about one step behind and we're not able to you know, move as quickly on things that we want to implement because while we're trying to do that, we're still trying to service so many loans at one time. I just think that going forward, we're always going to try to stay a little bit overstaffed. And just that mindset shift, I think I felt like I was doing a disservice to my clients and to my family. And then um, I I could never go back to to doing things (laughs) by myself. You know, uh, it is a whole new world. For sure. And I mean, to answer your questions, like, honestly, I, I really don't think there are any disadvantages if you're the type of person that says, I don't want to be a manager, I don't want to hire, I want to do everything by myself, sure, that's fine. But if you want to grow, if you want to give yourself a little bit of, of margin back into your life, I mean, the advantages are you have a larger footprint to serve more clients. You can, like I said earlier, allow everybody to play to their strengths and you as a originator can focus on the tasks that that really light you up. Um, so to be honest, I really don't think there's any disadvantages other than the fear in getting over that financial commitment, but it's just something you have to do as a business owner. You know, we're, we're pretty blessed to be compensated well. So it's kind of like, you just got to bite the bullet and do it. And once you do it, it's not scary after like a couple of weeks and it just becomes what it is. When I went off on my own, I kind of had a person, like I had a processor and then I had a person who helped me part-time, but I, I don't feel like I really hired anyone. Um, and I ended up letting this person go and I met Andre in this coaching program and I was pregnant. I was about to have my third child and the coach I was working with at the time said, I want you to go hire someone that's as good as you, which meant I had to pay them pretty well. I said, okay. And I went and found the person I thought would be perfect. They took the job and I told the coach and he said, all right, now go find somebody else. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And magically, this other person appeared and he's like, all right, one more. I'm like, you've got to be nuts. And in 90 days, I hired three people. I was petrified, right? Like kind of like you said, the financial part. But have you found that even though you've hired these people, it it doesn't really necessarily impact you financially as much as you think it does? It depends, right? You can like that was the first year I grew. That was the first year my business grew in volume. I think the easiest way to look at it is it's not, you know, it may become your largest expense, but it is a business expense. I think the easiest way to separate it is you're not paying this person out of your pocket. This is an expense that the company is bringing on 
to grow, to serve more clients, to be better. And it's a necessary business expense, just as if getting an office building is, or if you had to pay a credit report bill, that's a couple mm -hmm. thousand dollars every month. It, it's just a business expense, except the difference is it's a business expense that's going to help you grow. It's not just going to add an expense on your on your P&L. It's something that's going to help you grow. And every time I have brought somebody on, and I've heard this with other people as well, you find yourself getting more busy and more busy and more busy. So it may be an actual expense, you know, in actuality, but it's something that is going to pay off if you do it right, if you train them, if you give them processes and procedures and you take care of them and, you know, you're not a total jerk, then it's going to pay off in spades much more than the financial obligation is in the first place. And Dan, do, do you actually have written processes and procedures at this point with your business? So that's something where when I brought my first hire on, I did not realize how much of everything was just upstairs. I thought I did. And then trying to train, I'm like, oh my God, nothing is written down. There's there's nothing on paper. So over the last couple of months, I have started to. And as of right now, we're in the process of building a lot of that out. But like, for example, my my new hire who came on, who's going to be helping with leads and, and um, like pre-approval management, super, super specific step-by-step-by-step -step -step process on how to do everything from answering the phone to what it looks like to follow up with applicants at different stages in the process. So I'm a little bit of a, a like a maniac when it comes to like, you know, stuff like that. So I'm trying to get everything out onto paper so that that way I'll take a step back. I, I've always said, I don't like to do the same thing multiple times. So if I can think it once, put it out on paper, and then we can replicate that without having to actually do the work or explain it multiple times, it just makes the most sense to me. So anytime I catch myself explaining the same thing over and over or writing out the same thing over and over, I try to take it, put it into a template or a process and make that something that's easy to replicate. So to answer your question, it's in process, obviously not 100% yet, but it's definitely something we're working towards creating procedures for you know everything at least as much as possible. Megan and I always, uh, when we talk to somebody like yourself, we're like, man, we are so jealous of people like that, who if we would have done this years ago, we'd be, we'd be light years ahead of where we are. Um, so for anybody who's listening, you know, make sure that actually, even if you're a solopreneur, like you never know when that moment's going to strike you that, you know, maybe you have a family emergency. Maybe you, you're going to be out for a month or six months. Have or a baby. Or yeah, have a baby and you need to hire, right? Because you don't, if you're not, if you're running it by yourself and you're not there, um, who's going to do that for you? So that was a great question. And um, something else that you said, Dan, that I really want listeners to understand, and, and it's hard. And even for Megan and I, sometimes it's a little hard is hiring ahead of the curve, right? So if you're, if you want to grow, or if you feel like you're starting to grow and your bandwidth's getting a little tight, Hiring ahead of that, right? Because when you get to that point that you're busting out at the seam, the last thing you want to do is bring somebody in, train mm -hmm. them. And then at that point, all you're saying is, I'm, I'm just going to do it myself because I don't have time to show you this right now. So I think that's an excellent point that you made, Dan, for anybody out there who's listening and you're, you're on the, the verge of potentially hiring or not hiring because you're not sure if you're busting at the seams or not you're probably busting at the seams, right? You're, so you need, you know, you should really think about the future and what's that, what's that going to do for you. Um, and one of the other things that Megan and I always talk about is in regards to hiring that person, it's like, well, it's just one more loan, right? So if exactly. you're on a new person, 
it's going to free up 40 hours of your time. Like in those 40 hours that you're having somebody else do things that normally you would do, you should be able to go get two loans, which means that person really isn't costing you anything. You actually just profited one extra loan. So those are some really great points that you made there, Dan. It's really hard. When you first hire your first team members, I, I remember I wore headphones for a good week. And it's it's not a joke. I couldn't imagine someone ever speaking to my clients. And I knew I was going to be out, so I wore headphones. And you you can't <laughs> imagine people doing all these things that you did. I cannot imagine, and I'm telling you, Dan, right now, there will come a time if you continue on this path where Andre and I, last year, we fired ourselves again. We have people managing our company now. Like we have an operations manager. We have a sales manager. We have a marketing manager. We, I never thought that would happen. I never thought that that would happen. And mm -hmm. you just, you just never know. And but it's how you open yourself up to other opportunities and you give other people opportunities they would have never had. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was thinking of is uh, I would really love to circle back around to Dan in like five years and ask him yes. the question again as what are the advantages and disadvantages? Because right now he's in like, I love the team thing, which I love. Don't get me wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I love, love, love that. And there's certainly no disadvantages to having a team, um, none. Like none in the sense of like, I, I regret doing it, not in that sense, but, um, There's just, some of the, yeah, just some of the, some of the growing pains that you have as you add, you know, new team members and we're at 30 now, so it's a little different, but I would really love to circle back around to Dan and, and, and hear what Dan, uh, says in five years when he has, you know, 15 to 30 people working <laughs> for him. Well, I'm sure I'll still be here if you guys want to have me back on in five years. So let's I do think it. We should. It'd be like follow, you know, when you follow a kid from when they're born till they're 18. <laughs> yeah. Um, leading us into the next thing, you know, if you could go back and start over, you know, would you do anything differently? Like what pains were there for you when you first started the brokerage? Um, like what? Like you said before, there was no roadmap. So what were maybe some roadblocks for you or something you would have done differently or when you when you first started? Sure. I think the biggest thing I would have done is honestly, I would have just gotten help sooner. Um, I was so stubborn in the beginning of just try like for me, I don't feel comfortable having somebody else do something for me if I don't know how to do it. So for me, sometimes I get in my own way because I have to understand something 100%. So like, you know, opening a brokerage, there's an even if you're uh, an experienced loan officer, I'd say there is a good six to 12 month learning curve, just kind of figuring out mm -hmm. how do things work, you know, like, okay, I'm using my own LOS, I'm, um, you know, working with lenders, like, what's the dynamic of my relationships look like with with account executives and, and AMCs? And what do you do? So I was very resistant to hiring help. So like, just from the compliance perspective, I did everything myself, obviously, from the processing, I tried to, to do everything myself. So I think just getting help sooner, and also asking for help from from other people. Um, I, I wish I would have gotten a little bit more support and kind of gone down that route sooner. Cause I think I could be even further ahead of, of where I am today. Um, but something I've really tried to in, you know, you guys probably see it in the Facebook groups. I'm now I, I'm totally not scared of asking a stupid question. Uh, you know, mm. maybe a little corny, but there's this quote, I, I think it was Buddha that said it. Um, mm. It's like, ask a question today and look stupid for a minute or don't ask the question and look stupid for 
forever and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm totally willing to ask like the most basic silly question, even if I should know the answer, um, because I want to alleviate as much friction and pain as possible. So I think just overall, I would have gotten help sooner in just a variety of different aspects. And I love that because we, we always say like, and I are like we love that. We, we love that. that. We love we love that. that. <laughs> because coaching, I mean, honestly, that's, that's why the podcast is called the collab because there's a big difference between teamwork and collaboration, right? Like when Andre and I had our own businesses before and we had a team, right? Your team is your processor, who you work with to get deals closed. That's something all of us have to do. And some teams can work well together. Some don't. When our businesses took off was when we met each other as competition, started sharing, teaching each other the things we were strong at, and our business just literally catapulted in, in the three, four, five years because we both have these strengths. And, you know, that that's where our idea for Broker Fast Track came from. You know, there's all these coaching programs with how to grow your, you know, your sales business and how to get more business. But the foundations of, okay, how to pick, not only pick that credit company, but how do you pick the one that is going to save you money, right? It's taken us six years to find the right one. The first time we went through P&Ls, I noticed that Andre's credit reporting agency that he had been using, you know, and he didn't know, they were charging twice as much as the one we were using. So we switched. And then the one we use now is less expensive than the one that I was using. I mean, we have added it up and the things that we have learned that's taken us seven years to learn adds up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so I guess I would just like to ask you, how valuable do you think having something when you're starting like the 90 day accelerator, not that you know a lot about it, but that will guide you, tell you the things even if you don't dig into all of it, how valuable do you think that would be to someone in the mortgage industry or any industry? You know, I don't know all of the nuts and bolts as far as what you guys are are developing, but kind of just from what I've heard so far today, I think something like that would be invaluable. Um, I know my biggest stress, like I have a lot of confidence in myself to execute something if I know how to do it. But I think that the, honestly, the scariest part for me wasn't even necessarily the financial aspect of switching over to becoming a broker. It was just not knowing what to do. You know, you file mm -hmm. this application over here and then you contact this person to get set up with this. And am I doing the right thing? Am I on? Am I all of a sudden 30 days in going to discover that there was something that I didn't do that I should have done that's going to get you know, me in a situation where I, I can't do business? Did I forget to file a report? Do I have everything that I need to be successful? So I think the absolute scariest time is that that first, you know, 30 to 90 day transition, whether it's, you know, becoming a mortgage broker, or I'm sure with other companies as well, where you're just going into totally unchartered territory. And all you can do if you don't have like a roadmap or a game plan, like you guys are describing, is rely on the help of others, which is great. But mm -hmm. having something specific that can kind of walk you down that path. I mean, I'm sure that would have been extremely helpful. And that's what we are hoping because, you know, we were shocked, we were surprised. But I think a lot of industries, right, there's coaching around growing, but the business side, knowing if you're profitable, all those things and uh, are so important as as you grow. Um, One of the things that I also want to highlight quickly um, that Dan said, you know, I mean, at this point, Dan, six years in the business, he's a business owner, he's leading a team. 
you know, he said he's not afraid to ask questions. And for us, one of our values is safety, right? And Megan and I made that one of our values because we see that a lot in Facebook groups. People are like, um, I'm sorry, I have a dumb question. It's like, I don't really care how dumb the question is, or I don't really care how many times I have to tell you that the FHA down payment is three and a half percent. Like somebody just answer the dang question and move on with your life or don't answer the question and move on with your life. Right. And so to me, that's so important that a business owner or a leader um, or a manager or whatever it may be has that type of mentality because you pass that on to your team. Right. And then they pass that on to their friends and their family. And like, that's how I think that we're going to get past like, people always being like, I shouldn't ask that question. It's stupid. Right. So to me, when, when you said that, Dan, that, that really just hit home as far as like what type of a leader you are and what type of a business you are. Um, right. Cause you're going to make your clients then feel the same way. Right. They're yeah. Well, in something to Dre is I, you say that, and I've even caught my, I mean, you know, we've all had our bad days and I've caught myself being judgy or frustrated by a question before that, that I thought sure. was like, Oh my gosh, is this, is this person asking this? And I have seen you specifically call people out and say like, that's not what we do. We're going to support people. We're going to answer the question. You were new once. Don't be a jerk. You know, like mm -hmm. just help this person out. And I keep in mind, if I ever feel myself starting to get like a little bit judgy or, or frustrated or whatever, I keep in mind you. And I think you have such a, a kind heart and you are so open and welcoming of people. And I try to model that as well. So I wanted to to share that with you that that's something I've absolutely noticed with you. Aww, Thanks, Dan. Nice. It is true that I think it was maybe like two years ago that I was like, you know what, I got to stop being that dickhead. And the one time I was, it came back and bit me in the ass because the guy was like, dude, I was actually trying to promote you. I don't know why you took that as a hit. And I was like, oh shit, delete, delete, <laughs> delete, delete, delete. I felt yeah. so bad. No, it's, it's so true. And I find, especially for women, you know, there's an all women's group in our industry mm -hmm. and I see women who don't post in the big group with 10,000 people, but they're posting in the one with all women that have 2,500 to 3,000. Because I think sometimes, you know, women are made to kind of not question or not to, you know, fight against things. And I think having men who are more loud and can come across that way, it's very intimidating for women sometimes. I, I, I just I think that's a great point. And and for us, I, you know, I hope that's what that's what we've done at Keystone. I hope that's what the fast track in the collab does is it gives people a place to ask those questions because None of us were ever taught how to do any of this. Yeah. Any of so it. True. As we're wrapping up, Dan, what is next for Dan Patty? What What is your, I think um, one of our coaches called it the big hairy goal. Like <laughs> where, where do you want to go? So when we talk in five years, 10 years, like what is your, you know, your end goal? What, what is the, what is it that you hope that you create and grow? Sure. And um, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because my wife is such a big part of what we've built and she, she does a lot of things behind the scenes, but she is completely 180% or 180 degrees different for me. I tend to be very big picture strategy, future focused kind of in the cloud sometimes. And she's very feet on the ground, take one step after each other, um, you know, and always focusing on, on being very practical. And so I kind of have, extracted some of, of her practicality. And honestly, like I've spent the last few years, I feel like, you know, quote unquote, grinding so hard that I am really trying to focus on 
a little bit of uh, more priority on myself, my health and my family. So like, honestly, at this point with what I've seen over the last few years with the company, if I keep putting the right people in the right place and, and doing the right behaviors every day, I always have this image of brick by brick. In our industry every day, you got to do the little things. You place one brick on top of each other and eventually you're going to have a big building or a big empire. So if I just keep, keep doing the little behaviors every day, I know that the business is going to go in the right direction. So for me, I feel like I have not given the attention to my family, my myself, my health, my son, just because of the craziness of the last couple of years. So mm -hmm. I'm really trying to focus on how do I create a little bit of margin in my life, get the yeah. right team in place, create some boundaries, make sure that the people, the, you know, the business partners that I'm working with are all really healthy, strong relationships. So I'm actually for once in my life, taking a step back and not necessarily focusing on the big hairy goal. And mm -hmm. I'm just trying to live a little bit more in the moment and enjoy the things that are right in front of me. But I think that can be a big hairy goal, right? To, that's true. Have, totally. to have yeah. a successful business that allows, I mean, that's where we got to with Dre. Dre wanted to move to Puerto Rico. I, I have four kids. Like, how can you do that and still be successful? And, you know, I hope that shows you, you can do that. And it, it sounds like you're not afraid of having more and more team members. <laughs> I, not anymore. Now, once you get a taste of it, it's kind of one of those things that you can never really go back. Agreed. Um, Dan, one other question for you here. What piece of advice would you give, you know, somebody who's looking to potentially start their own brokerage or their own business? You know, what would be something that you would uh, tell our listeners? Yeah. Have you guys ever seen that TED talk with Simon Sinek with the the three circles that he draws? Yes. yes. Megan has. <laughs> okay. So essentially there's he kind of uh, explains it that successful businesses focus on the inner circle. So if you imagine almost like a target with three circles um, inside of each other, the outer ring is what, what do you do, right? The middle ring is how do you do it? And then the very center ring is why do you do it? I think a lot of businesses and a lot of loan officers focus in myself in the past, focus on what do we do? How do we, you know, um, do the loan the quickest? How do we get the best rates? How do we, you know, do more process focused type things, right? And for me, I'm trying to focus more on the inner. So what I would suggest is for anybody who is building a business in general, or especially a mortgage brokerage, start from the why and work your way out. So like, for example, our outer ring and loans, everybody's going to be the same. We do loans, purchases, refinances, whether you do commercial, just residential, whatever, right? We all we all offer the same product or the same commodity on the surface. The next ring in is, you know, how do you do it? So like for me, our company's values at Solcosta Home Loans are service, accuracy, and speed. So those are the three things that we focus on delivering to our clients and our business partners. But if you take it one step further and you kind of go deeper, why are those your values? Why are you doing what you do? And for me, my big why in a business sense is because I want to deliver certainty to my business partners and reduce anxiety for my clients during one of the most you know stressful transactions that they're ever going to go through. So I think you have to focus on why are you doing this in the first place? Let that dictate your how and your values, and then let that dictate what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. So rather than focusing on the outwork and in, focus on your why and work out. That's I love so that. Perfect. <laughs> we're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, we're like, totally. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, joining us today. And if anyone has questions for you, any if anyone listening wants to check out your uh, company's Facebook page or website, where, where can they find you? And what states are you licensed in, Dan? Just California. Perfect. Yep. So if you go to my website, solcostahomeloans.com, it'll have all my contact information. Probably the quickest way to get a hold of me would be Instagram, uh, loans by Dan. So pretty, pretty easy there. But yeah, solcostahomeloans.com, you know, there's all my different links to my socials, email address, phone number, stuff like that. So um, yeah, anybody who wants to reach out and chat, I'm definitely happy to do so. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks of course. So thank you so again. much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate both of you. Mm-hmm.